I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. What you're about to hear is an unusual and sad story. On a cold September morning last year, residents of a leafy West London suburb were woken by the sound of a loud impact in their street. In the road was the body of a man. The then unidentified man had been a stowaway. He had hidden himself in the landing gear of a plane from Angola to London and fallen to his death when the gear was lowered on the approach to London. Like thousands of others each year, he had been seeking a way of reaching the West in search of a better life. And like many others, he lost his life doing so. The BBC's Rob Walker has been investigating the story and he's produced a documentary about the case. Uh, these stowaways in the wheel wells of airplanes, Rob, it's pretty common, sadly. But in the case of this man, it wasn't apparent how he ended up in the road at first. How did it emerge that he had been a stowaway? Yeah, that's right. I mean, when he first appeared in the street on a Sunday morning last September, people initially thought either he's been murdered or he's a victim of a, of a traffic accident. But then it became pretty clear that neither of those possible scenarios added up. Now, the police managed to uncover this man's identity uh, and to locate some of the people who knew him. But uh, it wasn't easy. I mean, you followed this. What, what was the, the trail uh, of getting to uh, this man's identity like? What happened was that the police found uh, in his uh, pocket a phone and they called the numbers on that phone. Surprisingly, one of those phone numbers was a number in Geneva. It turned out that this was his former employer, a lady called Jessica Hunt, and she'd employed the stowaway when he was working in South Africa. Right. So uh, he falls in London. They find a woman who employed him. She's living in Geneva, but had employed him in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, so who is this man? So his name is, is Jose Matado. We know now that uh, he was aged 26. Sadly, it was actually his 26th birthday when he fell from the plane over London. We know that uh, he was originally from Mozambique, not Angola, although that's where he, he took the plane from, and that he moved to South Africa. He worked for a time in South Africa. Um, he found this job with her, and, and she described to me a little bit about uh, about what he was like. Joseph was a really nice man. He was a really good person. I miss him. I just thought, oh Joseph, what have you done? Why did you get into that plane? Why weren't you more patient? Rob, did uh, Jessica give any sense of, uh, of what Joseph wanted when she knew him in South Africa? Was he really eager to leave and go to the West? What did she talk? What did she say about that? Yeah, what she said was that he, he was sort of very keen to get a job and he saw getting to Europe as the means to get a better job for himself and, you know, provide some means of assisting his, his family who didn't, uh, you know, didn't have much money. Uh, when she said what happened was that when she finished living in South Africa, she returned to, to Europe, returned to Switzerland. And she actually sent him some some money to try and help him get a visa, get papers to come to Europe. Unfortunately, she said that th that money he took and paid to someone in Mozambique who swindled him, took the money, didn't give him the papers he was hoping to get. And so at that point, he then took the decision to travel back to South Africa and then from South Africa overland to Angola. And we know from phone records that once he got to Angola, he called his former employer, uh, Jessica, to say that uh, he'd made it to Angola. And at that point, um, she didn't have more money to, to give to him. Um, and she was hoping that she'd hear from him in a little while, hopefully when he'd found somewhere to live, got some kind of job in Angola. 
But we know that that, that final call between them took place just three days before he, he got into the plane and eventually she didn't hear from him again. It was the, it was the British police, of course, that she heard from when they called to say mm. um, what had happened to him. Do we know how high an altitude Joseph fell from in London? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, obviously, the the, the plane travels at 35,000 feet or so, and then it comes into land. What normally happens in these cases is that the stowaways become unconscious during the course of the flight because of the cold and the lack of oxygen. And so when the wheels are lowered, they're obviously not they're not able to hold on to anything. And that's normally uh, the, the point at which they fall. You know, we always hear about the people who stow away like this and die. Do, do any survive this kind of journey? in the wheel well. Yes, I mean, extraordinarily, I mean, if we take the cases into into London, if you look since the late 90s, there have been around a dozen cases in total. Now, extraordinarily, two people have actually survived. Uh, one person survived a couple of years back because he was coming on a relatively short-haul flight from Vienna in Austria. And as luck would have it for him, there was bad weather, so that plane flew at low altitude. Uh, and so he he survived the flight of two hours or so. There was an even more extraordinary case, though, Marco. If we go back to 1996, two brothers stowed away on a flight from India all the way to Heathrow. When the plane was coming in to land, uh, one of the brothers, when the wheels were lowered, one of the brothers sadly fell out and died. But extraordinarily, the other brother survived and was found on the on the tarmac at Heathrow. And the story he told was that when they were trying to get to, to UK in this way, they paid someone in India who told them that if they managed to get into the undercarriage, there'd be a door in the undercarriage through which they could move into the rest of the of the aircraft. And he said in interviews at the time that that's why he did it. And of course, that's completely untrue, that there is no there is no door. I've, I've actually been myself into the undercarriage of an aircraft to try and get an idea of, of what it's like in there. And, and once you're in, obviously, you're you're sealed in. You yourself climbed into the wheel well to see what that was like? Yes, that's right. That was at a, an airfield an hour or so from, from London. It was a, a disused Boeing 747. What struck me doing that was that um, when you approach the underneath the aircraft, it looks, that space actually looks quite big. What happens, though, is after takeoff, the wheels, those huge wheels come up. And what you can't know when you climb in, unless you're you know familiar with aircraft, is where those wheels go once they move up inside the undercarriage. And there have been cases where, sadly, stowaways have been crushed or indeed burnt by those wheels as they come up because, you know, you're basically having to chance where you're going to wedge yourself. I mean, the, the, the actual sort of sense of being in there, I have to say, was even during the day, it's quite claustrophobic because even when it's light outside, it's pretty dark in there. So you can imagine someone like the, the case we've been following, Jose Matada, doing that at night. And the stowaways normally do stow away on planes at night. You can imagine how you know, awful it would be. You're there in the dark, you know, the noise, the vibrations approaching approaching takeoff. And at one poignant detail of this case, we know that Jose Matada, the only precaution he took from that cold and extremes was uh, a couple of bits of tissue paper he crammed in his ears either before or during uh, takeoff. Um, apart from that, he had no other precautions. He had a pair of sneakers on, a pair of jeans and a, and a thin hooded top. Mm. And so you just kind of assume in his case that he had hardly any idea of, of, of what was to come.